Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We are with you for another week here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show, talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Joined by Josh Goodwin with Goodwin Mortgage, like we are every single week, talking real estate. When we aren't on air, follow us on all of our socials at the Duncan Duo. That's at the Duncan Duo on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, uh, TikTok. We are there uh, everywhere on all the socials. So make sure to follow us again at the Duncan Duo. So. Um, you know, I recorded a video yesterday. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but I thought it was pretty funny. Do you ever watch the Barstool guy at all? Yeah. You ever, do you ever pay attention? Dave Portnoy? So, yeah. so I did a, we did a house review, kind of to I saw mimic that. the pizza review. <laughs> it was thing, hysterical. Was funny. We didn't put out the non-PC version. We put out the PC version, but recorded two of them. I saw the non-PC the, one. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. So, <laughs> so nonetheless, um, you know, we're always doing fun stuff on our socials. So, uh, make sure to follow us. We're always putting a neat spin on real estate, sharing good info, good insight, but also trying to be, you know, entertaining and and talk about what's going on in the market. And interestingly, we've talked about Airbnb a little bit mm-hmm. on prior episodes, and there are a lot of people right now, I think, struggling with Airbnb because you know the the vacancy. Numbers are a little higher. It's a little harder to make money. But more than that, I think the biggest obstacle that I have seen to Airbnb has been uh, municipalities, cities, and counties kind of cracking yes. down on it because homeowners get fed up with, hey, I got to deal with these people every weekend showing up and partying and this and that, and this transient lifestyle, especially in these really good neighborhoods. So so cities, towns, uh, municipalities are cracking down on it from a from a regulatory perspective, also from a taxing perspective, and and I feel like it slowed its momentum a little bit. That doesn't mean it still can't be a, a great opportunity for people. It just means it's a little more challenging, and I don't think as many people are opting and traveling into Airbnbs now because you know one of the things I think people really like um, is convenience. Mm-hmm. And Airbnb used to be really convenient, and they had the app, and it was really easy to book a place. And now it's like a lot of nickel and diming. There's Hotels a fee, there's this fee, back. there's that fee. Yeah. And I, I think people have gotten kind of fed up with how complicated it is. I mean, I, I traveled recently, and look, there are times when I'm going somewhere where it's like, okay, like I'm going to the mountains. Yeah, I want an Airbnb. Yep. I'm not going to want to go to a hotel. But if I'm going to like a major city, I, I'm probably going to hotel it. Because so I so I traveled recently. I did an Airbnb at a major city, and I was there for two days. Okay, so I was there for two days, and I got this message from the host, basically telling me to do all this stuff. It's like I need to make the bed, I need to take out the trash. I'm like, bro, like, no, no, <laughs> like that is not what I go on vacation for. Like I go on vacation, so I don't have to do any of that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so so it's just interesting. And I think again, it's gotten there. Got there have been more and more people get into it. And I can't look at social media without seeing somebody selling a course about how to, you know, get rich at Airbnb. Airbnbs, yeah. But there are uh, the cities that offer the best gain on short-term rentals. Um, there was an article that came out. Um, I think it was from Realtor.com. Um, but the cities, there was only one city in Florida that hit the list. There were cities, you know, basically all over the country where it isn't as I think um, overloaded with 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 listings. You know, like yeah. now I think there are cities where it's like, okay, Tampa's hot. So I think a lot of people came and bought up Airbnbs. Mm-hmm. And now I think the competition is so fierce. And the vacancy has started to turn where people aren't traveling as much. The economy's a little more challenging. Yep. And and Airbnb has gotten a little less easy and a little less smooth of a process. And and I think that you've got to if you're gonna do Airbnb, you almost have to look at, you know, at some different areas. Your dad is a little different now. The biggest one I saw, it's funny you talk about this, um, two days ago, 
an article came out, New York is stopping Airbnbs. That does not surprise me. They stop everything fine. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. or they're, or they're, they're putting very high like and... regulation. If you oh, do yeah. an Airbnb, the person that owns it has to be there with you. That's wild. Yeah, they they want to regulate everything in yeah. New York. Like, so I'm not surprised, and I'm sure their real estate market's already kind of reeling. So that'll probably create some inventory. And you know, I predicted a few months ago that we we'd start to see some Airbnb hosts start to sell or turn into long term rentals, and we've already seen a little bit of that. Again, it's it's negligible. It's not enough inventory to be able to really move the needle, or um, you know, or to or to um, you know to change the market. But, but we're getting sellers calling us and saying, hey, look, I bought this. I turned it into an Airbnb. I did it for a few years. The money isn't the same anymore for me to deal with what I have to deal with. Because let's face it, like Airbnb tenants, and I get why the guy that sent me the email telling me I needed to do all this stuff. I get it because the people probably beat his place up. They probably don't take good care of it. I mean, short-term transient tenants are probably some of the worst tenants you can have because they don't have any pride of ownership. Longer-term tenants will take better care of your property because – They've got to live in it. You know, a two or three day tenant isn't as likely to take as good a care of your, your property. So you got to deal with some hassles. So nonetheless, the the reality is that um, the reality is that people uh, don't take care of it, and then the owner gets stuck with it. And there's a hassle associated with being an Airbnb owner. That when you were making you know 30, 40 percent annual returns, hey, no brainer. But now when you start to break even or just make a little bit of money and you've got equity in a property, there's a lot of sellers saying, you know what, uh, this Airbnb thing is kind of you know wrote its course, and I've nope. had enough hassles, and I've had enough people do damage. I'm just I'm going to get out. Especially when here's the big one for me. If you were thinking about Airbnb moving out and turning the property that you lived in for any period of time into an Airbnb, I think that's a mistake. And here's why. Because you have an, at least some semblance of emotional attachment and pride of ownership with the home. You're connected yeah. to it. You lived there, right? So turning that into an Airbnb where people are just kind of coming and going and not taking care of it is really, really challenging because it's hard for people to separate the difference between you know, their personal connection and then investment for gain. Uh -huh. Like I tell people like, don't turn your primary into a rental or an Airbnb, sell it, go buy another property yeah. that you didn't live in that you can just look at from a financial perspective. Because when people take their primary residence and they're, they remember like, Oh, that was my fridge and that was my microwave. And now they broke it and they poured the, pulled the handle off the cabinets. And how could they do that? You, you, there are good memories that you have of living in yeah. the house that kind of get disrupted. So I'm a firm believer that, you know, if you are going to, um, you know, buy properties for Airbnb, it's best to buy properties you didn't live in because then you can separate your emotional attachment from simply thinking of it as a financial, it's a bank. It's a financial investment. It's a financial gain entity, and that's its sole purpose. Yeah. So um, mortgage mistakes. Look, um, we know the mortgage market's tough. We're not going to spend a ton of time talking about the, uh, the the madness of interest rates and, and all the craziness going on in the market. Um, but there are mistakes that people make. A lot of times they assume that big banks are the way to go. You know, oh, they advertise. They're a great big bank. The why would banks, why would they lie to me? Right. The big banks are the absolute worst at mortgages. Simply because the mortgage process is a much more complicated thing than anything else they do. Mm -hmm. And and they have a hard time grasping it and providing proper service and turn times. Big banks are the worst at mortgages. They are definitely not the place to go for your mortgage business. No. So 
Um, and again, I, I won't name all of them. You, you know who big banks are. You've seen them advertise everywhere. They're not the right place for mortgages. If you're buying a, you know, like if you're now again, maybe if you have a local bank and you have a relationship, but any of the big, big banks that are advertised everywhere are bad at mortgages. Anytime we see a pre-approval from one of them, we're like, oh, here we go. Like yep. we're not going to hear anything. No one's going to know what's going on. You know, it's it's just a nightmare. I'm sure you guys all the time take over loans. And get people calling you and saying, you know what, we're 45 days into this with Big Bank A, yep. and they can't get it done. What can you do to get us to the hump? You guys deal with that all the time. All the time. And a lot of the times it's like, hey, this is the easiest file that I've seen. I second guess myself. I'm like, there must be something hidden, and there isn't. Right. Blows my mind. But hey, I mean, if you have a company with 1,000 employees, it's a lot harder to move those things, right? Correct. Opposed to one with 100. Yep. Um, you got to act fast to secure a good rate. Look, the rate rates are super volatile. If rates come down a little bit, you got to be willing to pull the trigger. If yeah, you, you wait, move quick. If you wait, you miss it, and then and then you miss out, and then you're screwed. So you do, you don't want that to happen. Um, another thing that people can do right now that I think can be effective, if you have extra money, um, you know, look, I think a lot of people in this country are really poor at saving money and investing. Okay. I, I think that's why a lot of people that's why home ownership gets pushed up so much because it's an automated savings plan. You're not just uh paying for your house, you're paying off the asset while the asset is hopefully going up in value and it's like an automated savings plan. When you have extra money, pay it towards your mortgage, pay it down because you're, you're you know, especially in those er, you know, like those early years, you can get some momentum. You could say, hell, 100 or 200 and not, and not even realize how much of a damage that can do five to seven years down the line yeah. about how much more you could pay your mortgage off if you can afford making that extra payment um, versus, you know, especially like, you know, if you end up getting a rate that's, let's just say, you know, the high rates right now, sevens, let's say somebody gets an 8% rate because their credit profile um, and they're only getting 4%. And their in their savings account, why down. would they not pay the mortgage off? You know, pay pay that thing down when you can. Um, sometimes uh, one mistake is one too many. Um, you know, if you if you have a missed payment, you you know, a late oh, pay, it's a death sentence, a late pay, a missed pay, a medical collection, um, any of those things. Um, you know, you've got to keep watching rates. You always got to keep watching rates in this market because they're super volatile. I think you've talked about this before, right? Like. They're, they're more volatile than they've ever been. Yeah, what, what usually would take six months for the market to move is happening intradaily. You know, two weeks ago, rates were over 8%. Now they're back down to beginning of the week, 7%. Now they've gone up to mid-sevens. It's wild. Yeah, we're I mean, hanging they're on. Go, they're, they're, <laughs> it, is a, it is like a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster, and that's, and that's the thing is high levels of communication with all clients, ask questions, and there are dips and valleys where you can buy, you know, yeah, it, homes it at better is, rates. It is um, interesting because you're right. I mean, I've been, this is, man, I've been at this 20 years, right? So in my 20 years, I've never seen it this volatile where, I mean, you, you know, back in the day, you could you could quote a rate and have a pretty good idea that, you know, for the next month or two, you're, you know, an eighth or a quarter variations about all you're going to see. Now you're sometimes seeing a whole full point variation in Within like a week. days. Yes, days. Right? days. Yes. So, you know, I, I think that, uh, again, you, you've got to be cautious about get, dealing with somebody that doesn't communicate well. And that's the problem with the big banks. They, they just, the hand doesn't know what the foot's doing. I mean, honestly, though. And, and it's a problem. It's like that with most even lenders. It's unfortunate, but big well, banks are the worst. If you can, if you can, and look, and like I tell clients, 
I'm not trying to put your lender down, your bank down, but if I tell you your odds are more likely to have trouble than not, why would you even take the chance? Well, and and I think the other part about the mortgage business is, and, and I think that it hasn't happened yet, okay? But I think, and similar to real estate, I think the cream rises to the top in these yeah. markets. There's still a lot of people hanging on that really probably shouldn't be in the business that benefited and it was easy because the market was hot. Everybody could get a mortgage. And, you know, you'd trust your buddy because interest rates are 3%. Or, yeah. you know, you trust your buddy to sell a house because, you know, everything was selling or help you buy a house because it was easy and the prices were low. Yep. And now the level of professionalism changes and the, the, the factor of risk. However, it takes a little time to bleed some of those out. I think six months, a year, two years down the line, you're going to see an upper level of professionalism where a lot of the people that were in it get rich quick – that weren't that shouldn't have gotten in the industry that wouldn't have been good in an average market only were good because of the great market they get out and I think the market and the technology and the agents and the mortgage all of it improves dramatically. Agreed. So I think it'll be better for the consumer after all of this kind of works itself out. Wait until licensing renewals come up. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people on real estate and mortgage. September, side. September. So yeah. anyway, we'll be back. We can continue our conversation after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Five things your real estate attorney wishes you knew, okay? This is something that, you know, look, I'm taking my continuing education right now for my broker license, right? It's It, it was supposed to be up September 30th, okay? So I was like all gung-ho. I was like, man, I got three weeks. I got to knock this out. So I started the other night, and I, I have multiple licenses, right? So I had to look them up to get the licenses, and I looked, and under in my impression, I thought they expired September 30th. But on my Florida, it says October 25th now. You bought yourself some so, time. So I think they prob- they may have extended. There may have been some sort of COVID provision or or something going on where they extended it to October 25th. So I was just like, oh sweet, so I don't have to rush as much. But anyway, I'm doing my uh, continuing ed right now, and it's something that a lot of real estate agents do: illegal lawyering. They give legal advice that they should not give. Yeah, it's and a and you know it, it is common. Um, and, and so one of the, um, tips that this article talks about is don't wait to call a real estate attorney. If you're not sure about something, look, real estate agents, and I am one of them. I own a real estate company. We're, we are compensated from a sale. Now, fortunately for me, I've done enough. I have enough money. I've sold enough houses that I'm, I'm not ever going to be in a position to try and convince something because I need money. There are a lot of other real estate agents out there that will say something. Especially right now. That are hung, they're, they're dying or starving. They need a deal. That might say something. So don't if you're a buyer or a seller and you're not really sure about something, don't don't wait to call a real estate attorney. Um, the next part is is hiring a real estate attorney. Don't just call one. If you've got some sort of complicated thing or you need to set up companies or you need some sort of complicated deal, um, you know, especially like commercial property, um, you know, things like that, definitely. Um, you know, hiring somebody. Attorneys can do things real estate agents can't. Okay. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just natural. Um, they can act more like a referee. They can, they can speak to risk. Um, you know, they can, um, you know, real estate agents will prepare a real estate contract, but they have to use pre-formatted forms that have been approved by the Florida Bar or Florida Association of Realtors. Mm-hmm. And attorneys can go a little bit further, a little, a little further than that. They can, they can go and draft documents and protections and different things. Um, they can be helpful from a title perspective. Um, they can do things that trying to get rid of liens or clearing up title issues. Um, that that naturally title companies will then have to outsource to an attorney. Uh, they can make opinions on trust documents. They, there's a lot of things again that closings end up, you know, happening that that attorneys can help with. Now, I'm fortunate that. 
the title company that I'm partnered with does have attorneys on staff, so we we can we can solve that. But there's a lot of title companies that do not have that yeah. option. Um, and then, spoiler alert: real estate a- a- attorneys do a lot of work. Now, here here's what a lot of real estate agents think. Real estate agents think real estate attorneys do a lot of work to kill deals, no. <laughs> but the reality is they're just protecting their client. You know, right. and and so you've got to be uh, you know conscientious to make sure that again in those complicated situations. In those scenarios where there's got to be some sort of, you know, very structured additional terms or addendum, those are situations where real estate agents can get into trouble doing, um, you know, the illegal lawyering that um, that they should not do. So, again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show here on WFLA News, and we aren't on air. Uh, make sure to follow us at the Duncan Duo Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook. On the house, 10 ways to save money on buying a home today. Improve your credit score, pay down old debt. Number one. Number one, improve your credit score, get your rate down, shop around for a mortgage. Now, look, it's important to shop around on service, on uh, shop around on price, but also shop around on service. Sometimes if someone promises you something, it's too good to be true. If they're telling you in today's market they can get you 4% interest rate, Something ain't or something ain't right. No, you know there's something wrong there. So, so again, shop around. Make sure you're you're comparing apples to apples. I'll see people be like, oh, this place gave me a six six and a half percent interest. Yeah, you're paying four points. Yeah, you know, like that extra fifteen grand that you're not sure where it came from. Exactly. So, <laughs> so compare apples to apples. That's actually a sad point, though. A lot of people are doing that right now because there isn't a lot of business and anything they can do to get people hooked. I fight that every day. Yeah. Hey, we got quoted a six percent. Like, get it in writing. Get in writing, but also look at the closing costs. Correct. What you don't realize how much cash you're going to come out of. Well, and those forms are so confusing. It's yep. It's hard. Here's another one that that I think is is true too. When you're when you're one to save money on buying a house, don't rely on the mortgage lender for quotes on taxes and insurance. Mm. Go get those direct from the source. You know how many times I have someone say, "Oh, my mortgage lender said the insurance is going to be twelve hundred dollars." Well, yeah, they live in Massachusetts. Yeah, they they weren't here for Adalia. Yeah, okay, correct. like our insurance isn't. You're not going to pay twelve hundred dollars. Okay, like they don't know what they're doing. Twelve hundred a week. Yeah, yeah. So so again, uh, make sure you're getting quotes on insurance from insurance agents here, and you're not looking at what they give you on a good faith estimate. And then secondly, you're going to the property appraisers office and looking up taxes and, and doing the assessment there. Consider an FHA loan. Um, again, you, you can reduce your down payment, a lower down payment loan. Typically, you're going to pay PMI and you're going to pay a higher rate in some instances. However, um, if cash is not king for you, if you're it's a cash poor, you know, that is that is an option. Um, VA or USDA loan, USDA loan, rural areas, typically we've got some still here that can get USDA. VA is if you served in the military. Um, people today, it's amazing. There's still so many soldiers that don't know, um, choosing a 15 year mortgage, your rate's going to be lower. You're going to pay less towards interest. You're going to pay off the house quicker, but it's going to increase your payment. So you have to decide, is it, does it make sense? One thing that isn't on here that I think is, is obvious too. choosing an arm, right there again, right like they have a bad stigma, right? They got a bad stigma because what happened, you know, 15 years ago, yeah. everyone's like, Oh, it's an arm. But again, it, it's going. It, it's not necessarily right for everyone. It's going to depend on your specific circumstances, how long you're going to live in a house, how much cash you have, and what's more important to you. You know, but but interest only can be good for some people. Um, shopping for new construction, um, again, um, you know, lower utility costs, lower taxes, lower insurance, um, down payment assistance programs, negotiating with sellers. And this is one that I like. Look at the house that nobody wants. 
go back to old listings. Don't just look at the new hot listings. The older ones are the ones you got negotiating leverage mm-hmm. on. Look at something that's got bad photos and had a bad agent or bad marketing that you can go and get a deal on. I do that as an investor all the time. I look at old listings, and those are the best opportunities because room to negotiate. 100%. So anyway, we're going to continue this conversation after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So back here on the Duncan Duo Show, and hey, look, if you've been in Tampa any time over the past couple weeks, you know we got hit with a storm. And I got to tell you, and the storm missed us. The flooding did not, because I think the flooding was the worst we've had. And so so I... um. I didn't prepare for this. I was Florida man with this one. Like I was like, oh, it's fine. It's gonna miss us. We ain't got anything to worry about. Like it's not gonna come. And and so I didn't prepare at all. Like I, you know, I think it's no secret. I have a car collection, right? And my whole first floor of my house, I, I, you know, is is a garage, right? So you didn't uh, bag any of the doors up? Oh, I did. I did, but really late, and I didn't move any of the cars. Huge I moved mine. Yeah, so so I wish I would have because again I got no damage. The water didn't even make it across the street, but the entire like I own the property across the street from my house on on the water, and all of that all of that was just flooded, submerged, right? But um, I was fortunate. I didn't get anything in the house. I didn't, it didn't even make it to the driveway. My house is really elevated, so I got super super lucky. Um, where it didn't hit me at all, right? But there are a lot of people right now that are dealing with the aftermath of of claims, right? And you, Josh, you mentioned where you live, you you got some water, you got some water that got up real close. It got a little oh, yeah. real, real close and tight. Yeah, I was like you. A little too close for comfort. Everyone in the neighborhood's like, yeah, it's coming. I'm like, mm-hmm. That's what sure. I did too. Mm-hmm. But three o'clock in the morning, you know what I did? I was out there because I saw the water and it kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And I was like, oh my God, I cannot believe I didn't move the cars. I didn't do anything. So I went out with a tarp, putting a tarp around the garage, <laughs> using like saran wrap. And then I'm putting down like, uh, I'm putting down sandbags at the garage doors because my first floor's garage, and and then I'm like the little vents that that would have blocked those two. I'm blocking those. Like I did all that right. I did so not. I did it. I did it at like three and four in the morning. I did not sleep. I didn't go to bed. But finally, by like eight in the morning, it looked like okay, we made it. Like and, it, and the waters are starting to recede. And and then by like the afternoon, it was normal. Yeah. Literally, the tide. At my house, out. looked completely normal, yeah. right? So, so you had it sounds like you it got a little closer. So for I got for I you. got woken up at like four a.m. I thought you know I was like like in the middle of some dream, and I'm sh- be like shaking awake. I'm like, what's going on? It's like, hey, everything's flooding. I'm like, no, it's not. I go outside. Yeah, it is. Oh, just things floating down the street. Yeah, water. I saw water like coming at my house and getting closer and closer and closer and closer. My neighbor's wood chips, all of those ended up in my yard. Uh, what a mess! But water in my garage is all three of them. Ah, uh, about maybe a foot of water. Really, that sucks. Maybe a little but, bit more. But but a foot keeps you from really having massive damage. We got very so. lucky, which is yeah. great, and it made me realize you. And you have had the cars. To, you moved your cars. I moved them. Your cars weren't there, so that's good. Yeah. And again, so so if you're one of those people that has claims, you're gonna have to stay on your insurance company, right? Stay on your insurance company. For flood. Make sure, like, if you have salt water, you want to you want to really rinse that off, and you probably want to recoat and repaint because salt water once it gets into the chemicals and stuff. It just deteriorates. Like I can tell you from living on the water, uh, you know, door handles, fans, like it's very corrosive. Just the wind from the salt water makes all that stuff corrosive. So imagine what salt water penetrating into structures actually does. It 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 needs it needs a good you know 
again, a good remediation to make sure yep. that it doesn't cause future problems. So it's one thing that as a home buyer right now in Tampa that you've got to pay attention to is you want to make sure, did that home have damage that they just cleaned up and did a sloppy job on, and now you, the corrosiveness side of it is going to come back and haunt you later. So you, you really want to – home inspectors right now, especially in the areas that are hit the most, really need to dive in and truly inspect and determine, like, did this house get water in it? Did this garage get water in it? Yeah. Um, and and if you are one of those people, don't skimp on cleaning the storm stuff up that that penetrated any of your structures, even your yard, your pavers, things like that. Pressure wash them, coat them, get rid of the salt water. It is not good for for really anything. I mean, no. it kills trees. It killed trees at, at my property. You know, like so so it kills trees. It kills bushes. It kills grass. It, it just it's not good, right? So so if it's gotten into your house, um, yeah, you've got to make sure and do those things. And again, sometimes. We're not. Sometimes we're talking about just doing stuff ourselves versus going through the insurance process because of how the deductibles are, and you know I get that. But if you had substantial damage, make sure you keep pursuing your interest, your your insurance company to get it taken care of. And if you're a buyer or a seller dealing with either you're selling your home and it got flood affected, or you're buying one in an area that got affected, again, just go the extra mile. Do your do your due diligence. Make yeah. sure you're paying attention. Um, one thing to add to that with flood insurance. They're going to pay the homeowner directly. Correct. It does not go to the contractor, so just be aware of that. Yep, you've got to deal with the contractor and, and hopefully uh, not get the Gouged. scam. Uh, yeah, yeah, the scam operations that form up from some of that stuff. But it was wild though. Bayshore Boulevard looked like, uh, you know, looked like a movie. I mean, there's people out there with their trucks, wakeboarding, canoes, and boating, and yeah. jet skis on Bayshore. It was wild. It was absolutely wild to see. Um, but what I'm really glad about, again, properties, I, you can't you can't celebrate anyone's property getting damaged. But but look, you know, we didn't we didn't have massive deaths. We didn't have major chaos. We, got lucky. It, it, we did get lucky. It missed us. Um, and where it hit, and by the time it got to larger amounts of population, it, it broke down enough. So so we did. We got lucky. But but I did. I took this one for granted. And this was the worst flooding that 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 I had at my house. That I've ever seen. Yeah. The furthest, the closest it had ever gotten. And, and so I, you know, like I said, I was, I was really nervous. I was like, man, I made a mistake. I should have moved these. And the thing is the last time I moved them to the airport. Okay. So, so like the last bad storm, I moved my car to the airport. My, per, my premise behind it was, look, the airport parking garages are way raised up. Like we're going to short term parking or whatever. We get a 20 foot surge and they ain't getting touched. Right. Um, but also security, yep. it's a secured facility, but the airport closed early this time. So it's like, okay, what's my next, what's my next, um, you know, option. And downtown was going to be, uh, you know, a logical option. Um, you know, I was talking to uh, MJ, who uh, is a radio show host on another station, but but is a buddy of mine, and I've known him for a while. And MJ was telling me that uh, he took his cars and went into the Intercontinental Hotel, and he said it, there was right literally like he said there were literally it was like a quarter billion dollar of cars in there. He goes there were Lambos and Ferraris everywhere. That's really? where everyone took their stuff, you know. So so that was smart. I, I think the city garages were were uh, made sense. What I looked at was you know because I waited too long. I waited to the point where Bayshore was already flooding. So I was like, oh, am I even going to be able to get to downtown? Right, because downtown's on the water. Right, am I going to even be able to get there? Am I too late? So I was looking for garages that were elevated but more inland. Mm. So I'm not going to name them because I don't want to give away these spots. <laughs> Plus, I don't want to get towed if I if I. You know. But there are some on Northdale Mabry. I'll just leave it at that. There yeah. are or not North Southdale Mabry before Kennedy. There are a couple. That's all I'll say. Do your own due diligence. But that's what my plan was. I was probably an hour from saying. 
you know, to my girlfriend, hey, look, I had a buddy standing by. Let's go take the three most valuable first and then come back and then go do this and then come back. But it would have been too late by then. Because yeah. you don't want those going through the salt water. Correct. And that's what I didn't want. So yeah. so that's what I went back and forth with. And and I didn't and I didn't have I didn't it, it, fortunately it didn't it did never make it there. But um so so again, if you if you got damaged, make sure you push with your insurance company. If you don't have flood insurance and this one got close for comfort and it scared you, get flood insurance. Yeah, correct. You know, I mean it, it just get flood insurance. It's it it it's just not worth it to to go through this and then have some sort of storm that wipes out your property and wipes out you know, I have friends in Port Tampa that got flooded down there. They got flooded bad. Yeah. They didn't have flood insurance. And now they're dealing with the aftermath of it. Because they're like, oh, we didn't have to have it. I was like, eh, it's not really about whether you have to have it. Because the, the reality is with FEMA, and what I've learned through the years, how FEMA determines who has flood insurance is based purely on elevation. But what, what, what they haven't ever figured out how to do is how to determine which parts of the town flood more even at higher elevations and where the currents actually go in to hit certain parts of Tampa Bay. I mean, you could be at four feet and way away from the water and four feet really close to the water and then be told, oh, you don't need it. But if there's a six-foot storm surge, you're flooded. The guy up in North Tampa ain't. You know what I mean? Correct. So it's like if you're close to water, just think logically. Don't, don't worry about like – if you need it. I, or or whether the government tells you you have to have it. Like, yeah. you know, like, I'm sorry. I'm just not trusting them. You know, mm-hmm. like, so um, so nonetheless, the reality is, is that if you, you know, if you if you got affected, you know, go through the process. If you didn't, you got lucky and maybe don't make the same mistake. And now we've got, ca- we got a Category 5 on it, what I heard. It's out. It's it's not coming. It to better us. be. It's it's hooking up. The, it better it's hooking up the coast. I hope. I hope. But you know what's the other side of it is how far off meteorologists can be, and and everyone loves them. And then and then like not just how far off they can be. Some of them are really clear about. Hey, look, it's way early. Like like I love Dennis Phillips. Dennis Phillips is the man. Like I watch his Facebook lives. Like that's my guy. Like that yep. is the guy I'm watching because I feel like he stays pretty calm and collected and is and is smart about everything. But the reality is, is until it's really, really close, their predictions are off by a couple hundred miles. So it's like, you know, I think we get complacent where it's like, oh, it's not going to hit us. It's not going to hit us. This storm they're saying right now, oh, it ain't going to hit us. That could change. Correct. You know, I mean, it could change. So, so anyway, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. Make sure to keep following us on social media for uh, all your real estate tips and advice at the Duncan Duo, uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, Snapchat, TikTok, you name it. Actually, I'm not supposed to say Snapchat. Daniel told me, he's like, dude, we don't use Snapchat. No one uses Snapchat. No Duncan Duo Snapchats. The only people that are using Snapchat are doing things they shouldn't be doing. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, so don't talk about Snapchat anymore. Okay, so don't hit us up on Snapchat. Um, If you want to. Yeah, but but, but anyway, you know what? Contact us wherever you want to contact (laughs) us. We're there, you know? Hit me up on LinkedIn if you want to. But no, the the reality is is that um, we're always putting out real estate relevant information to keep you updated on uh, what's going on. So really quickly before our break, we got about two minutes. What is an interest rate buy down? Explain that for people that don't understand the benefit of doing that. So there's a couple different options of that. A buy down is if let's say the rate is seven percent, and you're like, hey, I'm going to live in this house for the next ten years. I want to buy that rate down to a six point five. You can buy that rate down, and there's a cost, an upfront cost that you pay at closing, part of your closing cost. Then there is a 2-1 buy-down. So that's a program where if you're, we say par rate, the market rate is 7%, 
the first year your rate would be 2% lower. That's the two out of the two one. So your rate would be 5% for the first year. Then it goes up 1% to the 6% for the second year. Then the third and remaining 27 years- It's at seven. It's at your note rate, your par rate of 7%. Right. So there are people that that benefits. Correct. And again, a lot of this depends on, number one, how long you're going to be in the house. And number two, how comfortable are you at being an economic predictor? Yeah. You know, like, because it can, it can backfire. That extra money could mean nothing, or you could get a great benefit from it and then rates dramatically drop three or four years from now. You refinance and you it was a home run for you, right? Correct. So again, you have to measure the outbound, the out, the upfront cost with the return on investment, the savings in money, and then just your own comfort level and what you think the market's going to do. And I'm sure you have plenty of people right now that are looking at those options. All the time. Yeah. And so same thing with arms, right? I think you're going to have people looking at those. Again, risk factor is you're not paying anything towards principal. You know, like there's a cor- there's a correction to your rate. It could be, you know, abysmal. Um, but again, those are things that people are looking at now as ways to mitigate and, and at least try and control costs. So you're listening to the Dunkin' Door Real Estate Show. We're going to be back after a quick break, continuing our conversation about the Tampa Bay real estate market. We're back here on the Dunkin' Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. I want to talk about luxury real estate next. We just, you know, I'm excited for my, one of my agents, you know, we just put a, a property listed for, uh, we were representing the buyers listed for 7.8 million. We just put it under contract. And you know, in talking to her and then working with the client through the logistics of it, um, you know, we we I think saved the client a lot of money. We helped give him some great advice. And I think when you're talking about buying or selling luxury real estate, it's a completely different process and, and a completely different skill set. Um, the negotiation strategy and the the negotiation opportunities are so much greater. You know, just looking statistically, the average home in Tampa sells for 1%, maybe 2% off of asking. As you climb the price charts, you can see 5, 10 plus percent. So who you hire when you're buying that kind of level of real estate really does matter from a negotiation perspective because you want to make sure you have somebody that's willing to fight because there's a lot more money to be saved and made in the negotiation process of buying, you know, high-end real estate. Yeah, it's not five grand, it's 150 grand or 1.5 million. Correct. You know, like depending on how high you go and and so luxury real estate is is a different animal and and like I run a specialist model. So people will say like, "Well, Andrew, I just saw you sold a $120,000 house. How is your company helping me with a, you know, 6 million?" I mean, we a few months back we had a 5.6. We've got this one. We the you know, the pending at 7. That's listed at 7.8. We've got um, you know, we've had multiple sales this year over 3 million. I think we have one under contract right now. We have a commercial deal under contract for 12 million. So I mean, we work with a lot of high-end people. However, the people on my team that are working those, no different than like a large law firm that has like the people that work on the really high-end stuff. Correct. Those guys aren't going out and selling the wheel estate, okay? The yeah. wheel estate's trailers, okay? <laughs> They're not selling the wheel estate, okay? They're working with high net worth people. So I have people in my company, myself included, because I'll personally be involved with some of those, that work with clients that are on the really high end of the price spectrum. Now, certainly- other agents within my enterprise sell less expensive real estate. They're not the ones that are working with the hockey players or the the athletes or the local celebrities that are buying really expensive real estate. That's me and then a select crew of three or four people on my team that are my top agents that have been with me a while um, that, that understand wealth. A couple of them have very wealthy families, so they understand the process of helping people that are wealthy make those decisions about real estate because they've dealt with it their whole life. So nonetheless, I just want to talk about that because I think that 
there could be a stigma when somebody sees you know the Duncan Duo's brand out there and they say, oh, they sell a bunch of three and four hundred thousand dollar houses. We do. We sell a bunch on the high end too. The difference is, is there's different people at my company working with those clients. Yeah, you're well versed. Whereas the, the inexperienced newer agents are selling the you know, three hundred thousand dollar house. I've got my high end agents that focus on the high end. They're doing a bunch of stuff in South Tampa. You know, they're doing stuff in Abla. They're doing stuff in like, um, you know, Anna Maria and down in down in the beaches and stuff. So, so again, um, you know, we had one not long ago for I think two million on St. Pete Beach. So if you're high end. Just understand that it's going to be, at my company, it's like a higher level concierge service. You're going to get the people at my company that are the most experienced. You're getting the best, right? And so um, so, so I think that's something that sometimes people say is like, Andrew, well, your company sells a lot of three. Well, we service everybody, yeah. right? But the difference is, is I have these specialists, no different than large law firms or you know large financial firms. I have these people that are my concierge people for dealing with people with high net worth. Yeah, and I'm sure similar to you. When you have someone that's getting a really high end mortgage, they're getting you. Yeah, I get involved. In yeah, it. you're getting you. Correct. They're getting you. They're not getting one of your loan officers. They're getting Josh because it's a different level of service you have to provide and a different level of of advising. Yeah, um, and there's a lot more risk. So, so I think one other thing about the luxury market that's interesting is that um, our luxury market is still really strong. Very, really strong. Um, so if you're a buyer or seller of luxury real estate, first, you need the right agent to help you. No question about it. But second, um, it, it it's very strong. There are a lot of people still moving and buying here. There's still a lot of appreciation. I mean, I own, I, I live on Bayshore. I have an acre on Bayshore. And if I look at where the value was a year and two years ago, it is astronomically, amazingly yeah. higher than, than it was then. And so there are people that are buying and selling luxury real estate that don't realize what that needle looks like because they're looking at average numbers. So make sure you're talking to somebody that's going to talk to you about the market in that specific price segment and what they're seeing in that segment. Because we are still getting a lot of people that view a $3 million property near the beach as cheap because they're coming from a flat in New York City. Yeah, or they're coming from Los million. Angeles. Right, yeah. like in Los Angeles, like you know, a little fifteen hundred square foot house in Beverly Hills, nine million dollars. Yep. You know, like so, there are people that are coming here from these areas that are really expensive, and we've become more expensive, no question about it. But we're nowhere near the top. We're we're still mid level comparably. Miami's still more expensive than us. Uh, L.A., New York, obviously, is still more expensive than us. I think the uh, Seattle, Portland prices are still higher than ours um, in terms of the averages. So again, we're seeing more and more of that. Um, and and I think at my company sometimes the the customer will come in and say oh but I see you guys selling you know three and four hundred thousand dollar houses you know how how do you how are you gonna help me with my six million dollar house and and it's a completely different process and a different level of service and different people yeah let me walk you through it right I mean it, I mean think about it like this too if you were like I'm a I'm a I'm an I'm I'm an athlete right so I I like making sports comparisons you know and like. You look at like minor league teams and the major league teams, and you got Hall of Famers, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's there's in in every real estate company, there's levels of agents. Yeah, the Hall of Famers are the ones that in my company are the ones working with. They're super experienced. They're wealthy themselves. They're the ones working with the wealthy clients. So, and I'm again, same thing. I'm sure with you. So, so anyway, that's just kind of a different take on you know luxury real estate and 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 some differences. The other thing is luxury selling lifestyle. It's all about the lifestyle. They're not buying 
four walls. Correct. They're buying a lifestyle, and yep. that's something you have to make very. You have to show them the you lifestyle. You have to bring it out of the home. Correct. I mean, boat tours. You know, the, all those types of things are what matter because that's what matters to them. They're they're going to be out on the water. They're going to they're going to know how, what it's like on a Friday night. I had one not long ago where we negotiated to allow them to have an overnight stay. So that they can make sure that the, the that neighborhood. they like the house in yeah, the neighborhood. 100%. And in the high end, you can definitely do those things. Anyway, we appreciate you tuning in. We hope you have an awesome rest of your Sunday, Tampa Bay. And, again, make sure to give us a follow at the Duncan Duo. And have a great rest of your Sunday.